Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 11. It says, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of a soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse number 13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Dear Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to come in here tonight and to preach. Lord, I ask that you just be with us now as we, Lord, study your word. God, I ask that you just give me clarity of mind and clarity of thought to be able to proclaim what you have. Lord, bless us and help us to have a good rest of the evening in your name. Amen. I want to give to you a, a couple thoughts tonight on how to be a game changer. How to be a game changer. And uh, I like sports a lot, so a lot of the illustrations, a lot of my messages that I come up with have something to do with sports. And so I was, I was reading through this scripture and I was looking at a few different things and um, oftentimes and in the athletic world, in the sports world, athletes get into a rut. They get into a rut. If it's baseball, they get into a slump. Uh, they're not hitting the ball. They're not being productive. Uh, they're, not, they're, not, they're not doing what they get paid to do. You'd think if a man gets paid millions and millions and millions of dollars, he should be able to go out there and perform all the time, right? Uh, you think if a, a quarterback gets paid millions and millions of dollars, that he would go out there and complete every pass that he throws, and he would do everything that he is. But oftentimes, we get in a rut, and they get in a rut, and they don't perform the way they should. You think of the playoffs come around, and when your favorite team, and you get to the playoffs, and you think of your favorite player on whether football, baseball, hockey, soccer, whatever it is, you expect that person to perform right then. Why? Because that's the moment when it's needed. That's the time where it, where it matters the most. It's th three balls, two strikes, bottom of the ninth. Guys are, guys are on base and you're down by one. You expect that guy to hit the ball to the park. You expect that guy to hit the ball. You expect that guy to produce. And what happens most times? The guy's on there, the, there's two outs, bottom of the ninth, three balls, two strikes. He's up there, man on second. All you got to do is hit a base hit to get the guy in to tie the game or to win the game. And what does he do? He strikes out. He does something and you're like, no, no, why? Why couldn't you hit the ball? It's so easy. We pay you millions and millions of dollars and you don't do anything. And a lot of times they get into a rut. They get into a rut. And so here in this scripture, um, when this happens, a lot of times uh, athletes, us, us as people, we get frustrated. Um, our efforts and, our, and the games, they're, they're futile, they're unproductive, and they a lot of times result in losing. And so here in this scripture... Um, I want to talk to you about being a game changer. In order to be a game changer, number one, you would have to be in the game to be a game changer. I've never seen um, anyone make a good play sitting on the bench. I've never seen anyone uh, make an outstanding play while they're sitting next to the cooler drinking Powerade. I've never seen anyone in, 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 the, in a game, whether it be basketball or football, on the sidelines standing there and, and they're there and they make a big play. No, you never see that. You never see someone that makes a big play or does something fantastic on the bench. Why? They're all, or how? They're always in the game. They're always playing. In order to make a difference in the game, in order to be a game changer, you have to be in the game. It is Satan's ultimate goal 
for our lives, for if, if you, you've asked Jesus into your heart and you're serving him and you're walking strong, it is Satan's ultimate goal for your life to put you on the bench. He wants you on the, on the injured list. He wants you on the, on the bench. He don't want you uh, playing. Why? Because on the bench, we are ineffective. On the bench, we can't do anything. You can cheer on a little bit, but if you have your, your big-time favorite, favorite athlete, you want him in the game. You don't, want him, you don't want him sitting on the bench or on the sidelines or, or not playing. You want to be in the game. And so for us, it has to be a goal for us to be, the same, to be the same way, to be a game changer. You must be in the game in order to make big plays. You must be in the game to make big plays. In sports, you have guys who are known as playmakers. You have guys who are known as game changers. You have guys that when, when, the, when there's 10 seconds left, and you're in the, in the fourth quarter, you know who you want to throw it to. You know if you're playing basketball, you know who you want to pass the ball to. You, you want to pass it to them. Why? Because they're going to be the ones that are going to be the game changers. I'll, I'll never forget, I was watching a, a playoff game. I guess this was last year. And it was uh, the Miami Heat, uh, and they were playing the Spurs. And it was, uh, I forget the exact play, exactly how it went on. But they passed the ball to LeBron, he drove, made the game win and layup, it was over. You want the ball in LeBron's hand. You want him to have the, the ball. Why? Because he's a game changer. He's been known to make plays. He has a reputation of doing things. LeBron doesn't have a, have a, have a, a reputation of sitting on the bench and just sitting there collecting millions, even though that would be nice. He doesn't do that. He's in the game making plays. And so here, when an athlete decides to get back in the game, they make a decision to play their best and to make every necessary contribution towards winning and becoming a game changer. You've seen guys in baseball, they're running full, full blast for a pop fly and they'll run smack into the wall. They don't care. They're giving their body, they're giving everything that they have because they want to make that play. It's important to catch that ball. It's important to get out there and to catch that. And you see them, they sacrifice every single thing. And so here the book of Hebrews was written to first century Hebrew people who had been sidetracked. Who had, been, who had been out of the game and had allowed people telling them that their faith in Christ was insufficient. And these believers had become stagnant and they were spiritually declining due uh, to despising the word of God and to being stagnant in the word of God. And so here, the writer of Hebrews used, uh, used of God encouraged these believers to get back in the game and become a game changer. And they were given various different spiritual methods that would get them back to being a fruitful and productful Christian. And so here, number one, we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent. What do I mean by that? Verse 11, it says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The word labor means to give diligence, uh, to labor away, to give diligence. It has the idea of, of endeavoring Upon something. It emphasizes exerting yourself and putting all of oneself into what he does. It means to hasten, to go fast, to be diligent, to, to keep going, to keep, to keep pushing, to put your feet into what you're doing, to give it all you've got. And so I think of this, and I think of, of sports teams that go through intense practices, and they go through and they have all these practices and workouts and training, and they're out there and they go all day long and twice a day, and they pushed and pushed and pushed, and they're intense practices to win. It's not for their, for their fun. They don't go out there. I've never met anyone that likes practice. 
I've never met anyone that likes to go to practice and run. As a matter of fact, I hated practice when I played basketball. Growing up, practice was horrible. We'd start off and we'd run lines, and we'd run here, and we'd run there, and we'd run this, and we'd go run. And it was like, what are we doing? I want to shoot the ball. I don't want to do this. I want to do fun stuff. I don't want to run and throw my guts up everywhere. That's not fun. That's nothing that anybody wants to do. Nobody likes practice. But in order for when we got in those game time, those game modes, all that practice that we did paid off in the games. All that practice that we would do and, and exerting ourselves and putting all of ourselves into until it made us sick. All that stuff I can remember so many times, guys getting sick and throwing up and getting sick. And I was like, man, what are we doing? I just want to play basketball. This is not fun. And we'd get in there and we, and we gave it all that we had. And so I want you to look at this, consider how this word is used here. Um, Ephesians 4.3 says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. 2 Timothy 2.15 st- says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 4.9 says, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. 2 Peter 1.10 says, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. 2 Peter 3.14 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. So we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent. If you're taking notes, um, letter A here would be, we must be fast. We must be fast. Uh, Nehemiah said, So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. David said, the king's business requireth haste in 1 Samuel 21.8. Jesus said, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I am straightened till it be accomplished in Luke 12.50. Jesus also said, I must work the works that sit me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work in John 9.4. Paul said, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord in Romans 12. We have to be fast, and we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent in the work that God has put before us. We have to apply diligence in becoming Christ-like. 2 Peter 1, 5-10 says this, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, And abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he is purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. We have to apply diligence in becoming Christ-like. It's not just going to happen overnight. It's not just going to happen overnight. When we would start playing basketball, we'd expect to come into that practice and to be great right then. No, it didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way. When you work out and, you, and the different ones that work out, you can't just expect that one day you work out to look like, you know, Hulk Hogan. That doesn't work that way. You have to be diligent. You have to work hard. You have to keep going. You can't eat Five Guys burgers and fries. You can't do that. You have to eat salad and water and nothing that's fun. You have to do that kind of stuff. And and it takes diligence. It takes work in becoming Christ-like. You'll never get to a pinnacle where you are Christ-like, but we can try to be Christ-like. We can work hard and apply diligence in order to be like him. We have to apply diligence in the usage of the spiritual gifts God has given us. Romans 12, 6 through 11 says, having then gifts 
differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or that he that teacheth on teaching, or that he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, let us show with mercy and with cheerfulness, with, uh, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honoring, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We have to apply diligence with the things that God's given us. God has given each and every one of us different gifts to use, whether it be speaking or singing or ushering or whatever, we have to use them. We have to make use of those things that God has given us. I had, I've had people tell me different stories and heard different stories of pastors saying, I was running from God and I didn't want to speak and I didn't want to be a pastor and I didn't want to do this and the Lord took my voice away and I couldn't talk for the longest time until I got right with God. He didn't give me my voice back. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be me. I want to make use of whatever God has given me. You, you kind of think this is funny. Um, whenever I was younger, I hated singing in front of people. I couldn't, see, I couldn't speak in front of a soul. And I didn't, like, I didn't like doing anything. I hated everything like that. I hated being in front of people. And now here I sing and I speak and I'm in front of kids all over the place. And that's what I do. And that's how, that's how God works. God works in, in mighty ways. But here, we have to uh, apply diligence in our spiritual gifts. We also have to apply diligence and seeing souls saved and discipling them. We also have to be diligent in that. Acts 4.20 says, For we cannot but speak the things which have been seen and heard. It's not going to be something that's easy winning someone to the Lord. It's not easy. You'll get hit with more, with more mixed thoughts and more temptations and more things trying to lead someone to the Lord. The devil will try to throw things your way to get you all discombobulated. That's what he wants you to do. That's what he wants you to be. And so you have to be diligent studying the word of God and learning how to disciple and learning how to win people to the Lord and spending time talking to people about God. We have to be fast. We also have to be focused. We also have to be focused. Hebrews 4.11 it says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example <clears throat> of unbelief. Notice here the Bible, it says, uh, a very specific where our focus is to, is to be. It says, let us, therefore, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. That rest is referring to claiming the spiritual promises of God, living for the Lord and doing our best for Christ. If we're going to get off the bench... In our spiritual lives. If we're struggling, we're sitting on the bench not being effective for God. If we are going to get back in the game and get off the bench and become a game changer, we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent. It's not just going to happen. You have to keep fighting. You have to keep pressing. You have to keep working. You have to keep training. You have to keep going because that's what God has told us to do. Number two. Number two, we have to be diligent. We have to be discerning. We have to be discerning. Verse 12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of a soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So here with the Hebrew people, they had lost everything. They had lost their desire to serve God. They had lost their desire to do right. They had lost um, everything, and, and the word to them, the Bible to them, had lost um, its cutting power. The Bible had lost um, it, its, cutting, its cutting edge. 
And here in each life of, of the Hebrew people, their conviction was gone, their compassion was gone, their concern was gone, all because they became stagnant in their Christian life. Um, their, every, everything in their area of life as far as their Christian walk with God was just put aside. Why? Because they, they, the, the, to them, the Bible lost its power. To them, they just became another book. To them, they were just, they were just sidetracked and sidelined by what everybody was saying, what everything was doing, and they just became blah with their life. They forgot that we have an authoritative word. In Psalm 119.89, it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That's authoritative. That's authoritative. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. They forgot that we have an authentic word. 2 Peter 1.19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do dwell, that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, until the day star rise in our hearts. Psalm 12.6-7 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. They, they lost that we had an authentic word. They forgot that, that we had an appetizing word. And here in the last thing, um, they, forgot that, or the, or excuse me, they forgot that they had an appetizing word. Job 23, 12 says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I, I've read this verse, and when you read the story of Job, and you go through it, as many of you have, it's, it's kind of funny. You see Job, he's always doing right. He's always doing right. He's got the right answer for everything. His family dies. It's okay. His cattle's go. It's okay. His this happens. His house, everything's gone. And he just acts like when you're reading the scripture that everything is just, is just dandy until we see later on. And then on top of it, we read this verse about Job as, as if he can't get any more spiritual in our minds. And he says, and here, neither have I gotten back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job said, you know what? Forget my food. I just want the word of God. Forget food, forget everything. I need the word of God more than I need food. How many of us tonight can say that? How many of us can say, you know what? Forget this, forget whatever this is. I just need the word of God. Forget what I have, forget everything that this world has to offer. Just give me the word of God. Just give me the Bible. Here Job says, I need, I need this more than I need food. It's more necessary to my life more than food is in our lives when we examine ourselves, can that be said about you? Can you say, man, I just want the Bible. I just want to learn. I just want to soak it up. I want to realize that, that the word of God is everything that I need plus more. Psalm 119, 103 says, how sweet are the words into my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. If we have neglected the word of God, um, if you have not been giving the, the earnest heed to what you have heard, you've drifted toward a, a heart of hardness, um, if you have uh, drifted toward a heart of unbelief, I hate to tell you, but you're sitting on the bench. You're sitting on the bench tonight, and you're just sitting there, just crunching on sunflower seeds, chewing bubble gum, doing nothing. You're, you're unaffected. You're unaffected. You're just sitting there. You're, you're doing nothing. And, and we have all, all, all our Christian life, and everybody's just going, hey, come on, let's go. And you're just kind of chilling out, not doing anything. You're sitting on the bench. If you have that, you're out of the game. And to get back in the game, we have to be discernible, discernible through a dedicated walk 
with God and his word. We have to be dedicated for, with a walk um, to God and his word. <clears throat> Number three, we have to be discoverable. We have to be discoverable. In verse, thir <clears throat> verse 13, it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. This final thought is to be transparent. This final thought is just to be transparent with God, to be discoverable. We are being encouraged uh, to being someone who is discoverable, someone who is transparent. Um, when you think about when God created Adam and Eve and after they sinned, they went and hid. Up until that point, they had no problem being out in the garden. They had no problem walking around, even though they were naked. They didn't know what that meant. They had no clue what that was. They were walking around. They were completely transparent with God. They were completely just out there and said, God, here we are, you know, here it is. There was no sin. There was no nothing. But when they sinned, they realized that now they, were, now they, had, to, they had to hide. They had to be away. They weren't no longer transparent with God because there was sin in their lives. There was that sin there, and they weren't discoverable. Here the writer is reminding us of the fact that God is all-seeing, he is all-knowing, he is all-present. And a lot of times we live our lives like, like God can't see what we do, God doesn't know what we do, or, or God doesn't care what we do. We live our lives a lot of times like that. Like we can hide and, and nobody will see it, or we can go over here and, and God won't know. We have to be completely transparent with God. Don't put yourself in the place where God has to shame and embarrass you in order for him to get your attention. Don't even get to that point. Don't even, don't even get there. When you see athletes, it's always funny to me when you see these big guys going crazy in the, in the, in the bullpen or in the, or in the dugout. They go nuts whenever they, whenever they get some. The next thing you know, they've been suspended for this many days. Then they've been suspended for this and they've had this fine. Don't do that. Don't let God have to fine you. Don't let God have to suspend you. Don't let God have to put you on the bench and say, all right, Johnny, you said this wrong. Don't do that. You're not doing this. Don't be that way. Be, be discoverable. Be transparent. Um, be what God wants you to be and let him see through your life. To be discoverable in this context mean, means we allow the word of God and our responsibility of being accountable to God keep us in line with what we should be doing and how we should be living. If you have a pen and paper, and if you don't get anything else from my message, I'd ask for you to write this down right here. Write this little thought down. Knowing that God sees and both knows all about us is both a deterrent and an incentive against a careless life. So one more time. Knowing that God sees and knows all is both a deterrent and an incentive against a careless life. We should, when we, when we think about our lives, it should both detour us from not wanting to waste our lives, but also be an incentive for wanting to do right. It should, it should detour us from, not, from, from wasting what we have it also be an incentive to doing right and to not living a careless life. Last three things here we have to be see-through. Nothing between my soul and the Savior was an old hymn. I don't know if I can sing it, but it said, Nothing between my soul and the Savior, all of this world's elusive dreams. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between, nothing between, nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior. That was a great song. It was an old hymn. 
all this says is, listen, there's nothing that's going to be come between me and God. There's nothing that's going to get in between us that's going to dis, dis mess with that f- fellowship between us. We have to be see-through. We have to be straight. Don't make decisions that you'll regret. Don't do things that you'll regret. Don't, don't, don't let God have to, have to make an example of you. We've heard that several times that I've been taught that this morning in, in Sunday school. Don't be an illustration. Don't be something that one day somebody has to say, oh, so-and-so, you know, well, they did this. Don't do that. Press, be above reproach. Take the high road on stuff. Always go the extra mile. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever ye do and word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. See, we need to be serious. We have to be serious. <clears throat> James 1.22-25 says, But be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goes his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed indeed. This final thought, and I'll be done. We're in the biggest championship, if you want to call it that, of our lives as Christians. It's the Super Bowl, the the NBA championship, the BCS championship, the Stanley Cup, all of them all combined into one plus more. We're in the biggest game ever. Game seven, the finals, here we are, here it is. We're in the biggest game ever. We're in the biggest championship ever. And are we going to sit on the bench? Are we going to be inactive? Are we not going to do anything? Are we going to sit, sit on, the, on the sidelines, sit on the bench while, while the world that we live in dies and goes to hell and spends eternity separated from God? Are we, going to, are we going to do that? Are we going to spend time investing in people? Are we going to spend time loving people? Are we going to spend time serving God? Are we going to, are we going to do that? Or are we just going to sit by and watch the clock tick by? Just going to sit by and watch the clock tick by. Uh, this, this, this championship that we're in, it's about real rewards and real things, bigger than any trophy you can ever think of. And one day we'll lay them at the feet of Jesus Christ. They're big deals. This is a big deal. And if we are going to, to get in this game, and we are going to get off the bench, and we're going to win the game of our, of our Christian life, we have to get back in the game. We have to be back in the game. I don't want to challenge you right now. If you examine yourself and you say, you know what, there's things that I should be doing that I'm not. I should be praying more. I should be spending more time in the word of God. I should be investing in other people more. And right now, if you had to look at your life and you say, you know what, I'm sitting on the bench. I'm not doing anything. I'm not being a game changer. I'm just sitting here wasting time. I'm watching everything go on. I'm, I'm watching people get saved. I'm watching this and I'm just sitting here watching. I'm not doing anything. I want to challenge you tonight to get back in the game. I want to challenge you to, to do the things that God would have you do. I want to challenge you to, to press on and, and keep going and keep trying to say, well, I'm too old or I'm too young. There's no age limit in the, in the Bible. I've never read anything that says, well, you have to be 17 in order to lead someone to Christ. No. Or you have to be under 85 to lead someone to Christ. No, I've never seen that. You can be a game changer no matter what it is, no matter what age, no matter what race, what size, what color, whatever it is, you can always keep pressing on and doing what God would have you do. Or you say, listen, I'm in the game. I'm playing this game. I, I'm, he- I'm here. I'm, I'm fighting for God, but I want to do more. I want to challenge you to keep on, keep on being diligent. 
Keep on being discerning. Keep on being discoverable. Keep on, keep on letting God work in your life. Keep pressing on. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't stop. It's never going to be an easy walk. It's never going to be an easy path. Keep going. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it's going to be easy, but it does say it's going to be hard. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it's just going to be a, a walk in a, a bed of roses, but it does say it's going to be tough and times are going to get tough. And I want to encourage you that y'all are in the, the ones that are in the game to keep going and keep pressing on, to keep going. Be diligent. Be discerning. Be discoverable. And get back in the game and be a game changer.